Good evening, my name is Suffolk Rand. Skaz, yes. Welcome to episode 141 of the Randers podcast. Yay. Yay. So Yay. I, I, I do it all the time. Is it really 141? Yeah. <gasps> I know. I know. Not long until we go to, where, where are we going, 150? Chernobyl? Chernobyl. That ain't going to happen, let's be honest, because we can't fly anywhere. No. Besides, no. if I want to go somewhere and experience life being locked, in, locked down in a specific place and not be able to move around too much for fear of contamination... I don't need to go anywhere now. Yeah, that's it. Now we know what it's like. <laughs> well, I go around the supermarket, everybody's wearing masks and goggles and visors and stuff. It's just like Stalker. I feel at home. Now, I'm going to throw out there, what supermarket are you going to where everyone's gone whole hog like that? Because no one around Minder Town's doing that. Depends which time you go to Asda. All right, okay. Um, if there's definitely certain times of the day where people follow it more than others. So I've I've said more than others. So that's pretty good. I'd say the worst place I've been to um, supermarket is Morrison's. I was going to say, please tell me it's the the snobby posh. <laughs> well, no, I've been to Waitrose. Right. I, I will be I will be let in. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I get to have my jeans even with and your suit and tie. You're not you're not. No, nah, mate, you're not coming in. You're not coming you're in. Coming, they are. They are walking and they say, "Can we? We need to see like evidence of your breeding." <laughs> 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 We want your pedigree list to see who who sired you and who was there and who sired them. And only if we can tell that your bloodline is fit to eat Retros, can you come in? Mm-hmm. I hate that place. I went. I did go to Retros once. I was um. I've been working on the farm all day. Me and a friend were going to a show. It was a Land Rover show, actually. Right. And I've been working on the farm all day, and he'd been he'd he'd been like press going to go to a, uh, like a big family gathering. So he was going to that, and I was going to pick him up from there, and go, you know, go, we we're going to go straight to the ladder or shut to the hotel for the night over. So I get there, pick him up, and he's in his like suit and his tie and all sorts, and I'm in my, you know, mucky pig co- muck covered farm trousers and shirt. And then he goes, "Oh, I could really do him a drink." I said, "Well, let's stop by a supermarket." He said, "What's the next one?" I said, "Retros." Can you imagine us two walking in there? I said, I said, this really does look like sort of Blackout and Baldrick scenario, doesn't it? You know, it's like the sort of, the, the sort of, the, the, the well-to-do countryman bringing his surf. And as we go around, he started putting on a little cut fakes or posh accent. I said, oh, really? That's very, that's very good value for mine. And he was just going around, like, basically being like Pimby Prince Charles. Oh, dear. The whole way around. It was marvellous. Good job. <laughs> it was the common marvelous. folk know how to have fun. Yeah, we do. We do. Oh, no, gentleman farmer. Yeah, it happens. But no, Molson's terrible. They've got their their system isn't their queuing system is S shaped, so you sort of deal like back on yourself the whole way. So yes, between you and the person directly in front of your two meters, but not to the, the person the person directly in front of them, you're basically about a foot apart. No, I I did hear they were talking about relaxing the two meter distance, but I don't yeah, know par- to what. Apparently, the virus decided it's, it's fed up now doing the two meter rule. It's like said, ah, fine, guys, I won't do it anymore. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, they, I got they've, had, they've been in negotiations with it, and they decided to ease off a little, which is kind it got, of it. Got, it's, you know, it's tired of this. It's, it's thought, hang on a minute, you guys are being a bit too sus. I'm not spreading like wildfire anymore. All right. Fair dues, fair dues, guys. You did put it. You put the effort in. Nice try. Yeah. So. I didn't so, know yeah. Bobo, I didn't know Bobo was that good of a negotiator. To be fair, I doubt it was him who did it. Oh really? I think it's pity on the virus's part. <laughs> it's took pity on us. 
It's like, God, you guys suck. You're so miserable. And I've taken out all the old people now. <laughs> it's like, come oh. on. Oh, welcome to the dark humor that is round nerds. No, I cracked an even better one earlier. I said that COVID-19 is what, like, it's only taken out, what, 40,000 people? Something, yeah, something like, like that, that so far. That's like, what, the O2 Do arena? So what we're saying is COVID-19 is a really shitty gig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to go even worse than that. I thought you were going to go, because last time I was, oh, I was thinking it was the Manchester arena bombings. No, no I pulled that joke too today. So don't, <laughs> wor don't worry. I've taken things that long. <laughs> Good, good. COVID's like a really bad suicide the, bomber. The only thing lower, the only thing lower than my jokes today is like the Ran Nerds Gravedigging Awards. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and I will be honest, uh, I, I have actually put into practice the Ran Nerds Gravedigging, so... Well, have you got ready to? Uh, are you got plans for your family? I, I had to. I had to dig a nice hole. It was fantastic. It was to round nerd spec and everything. We should get Do another it. trophy. Uh, although this was a solo event, but I've I put in round nerds. So, but you know, sometimes there is a solo section of that championship. Well, it's it's the relay. It's the awkward one because you have to throw the shovel at each other. <laughs> I can just imagine that just and then someone falls back <laughs> into the hole. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they can have the synchronised grave digging. We have to sort of, like, sort of, like, sort of, like, ready for shovels back sort of, like, delicate ways as you dig simultaneously. That would be fantastic. If I can find, like, synchronised swimming, a synchronised grave digging event, I would be... Could you imagine that they're trying to, like, dig, like, six or twelve graves at once, and they're Do all you know doing what, it guys? in... This is worth a Google. And there's some fantastic, like some classical music playing in the background. Is they're all that digging? Uh, no, no results. I'm afraid it's not a thing. So it's something we could start. Well, it's got to be done. There we go. We're we at no competition. Synchronized grave digging. Champion. So, on that note, games we've been playing. We'll discuss the round those game nights in a bit. I think. Yeah, sure, sure. A while back. Fantasy Star Online 2 got released to the West. Okay. And uh, I've been, I mean, I've been playing the game for years and years and years, like nearly eight years now since launch in Japan, uh, using like fan translation hacks and things just to kind of like get item lists and things in, um, in English. But uh, Fantasy Star Online 2 is an action RPG based in the Fantasy Star universe. It's supposed to be a sequel to Fantasy Star Online, but then there's been Fantasy Star Online, Fantasy Star Online Episode 2, Episode 3, Episode 4, Fantasy Star Universe, which was also an online Fantasy Star, and then Fantasy Star Online 2. I mean, it kind of follows the story it's the same kind of system we're traveling through space we're trying to colonize other planets things like that but outside of that and the sound effects it kind of falls apart completely different area completely different enemies game has been out in japan like i say for nearly eight years it got released in the west this year by microsoft and sega and it's an exclusive to the uh, Microsoft Store and the Xbox, and they've screwed it. 
They screwed it. So it's just a case of translating what was already there and just localizing wow. it. See, that's the thing. In Japan, Don't there tell are, me they fiddle with it. There's, there's six episodes of content in Japan. Uh, I believe there was already an English client available in China, of all places. Uh, like a fully translated English client in, in China. Officially released. Officially released. We have to say, you know, bunny ears because it's, it's China. There's loads of, you know, stuff that's in China that ain't really supposed to be in China. Uh, but what Microsoft seems to have done, uh, or what they seem to be doing, is releasing content with drop rates, experience rates and everything else hugely boosted so that they can catch American players up to the Japanese client. Like, it doesn't seem to be a pure Fantasy Star Online 2 Episode 1 client. So, we've only just got the game, but they've already given us three episodes. But the client also seems to include things from Episodes 4, 5, and 6, but we can't access them. They've just locked them off. So you go up to an area where something was supposed to be there and it says, no, you can't go in there. Um, so the first three episodes of Fantasy Star Online had an interesting quest system called a Matterboard. And it was like a, a, just a square grid. And uh, each, each quest or each dot on the board was given a color. Blue were minor things, red were key events. And if you selected an item on the Matterboard, it would give you like a, a quest, like say, I don't know, go to the forest. And then you'd go to the forest and then you could find an item in the forest uh, after completing a certain set of things to trigger the Matterboard event. And that would give you a cutscene and, and some bits and bobs to explain what's going on in the story and in the world. And um, they did that for the first three episodes of the game, which is the stuff that's out in America. Well, the American client doesn't do that. Uh, the American client doesn't actually seem to have story quests at all. It just has... Yeah, I, I see that kind of look uh -huh, on your face. So what, what do they have, Skaz? Well, you go to the story quest. So you actually have to go to get the story quest. You have to go to the quest counter which was in the Japanese version too. But then you select story quest. You go, okay, I'll have quest number one, expecting to have to go and do something. And then it plays the cutscene that would have played had you have done what you had to do in the Japanese version with no explanation of why anything's going on. It will just literally play the cutscene. No, no text to say what is supposed to happen. Just literally uh, a little cutscene will play. Like a character will start talking. You'll find yourself on the forest uh, in the middle of a fight for no reason at all. You'll get thrown into you'll, you know you'll get thrown into character dialogue that you've never met before. You'll have no no idea why they're important. No idea why they're and you're just like what? Like so in the original one. Let's say for example. Um, Someone, there's an accident on the planet and you have to go down and save someone. Well, you'll go and select the mission on the matter board. And then it will say, go to the forest. And as you go to the forest and get into that area, say, a ship will crash land. 
or you will see the ship on the map, trigger the event, and then things will play through from there. So you kind of get an idea of what's going on, why you're there, and all that kind of stuff. Or it's like, mysterious person has been seen uh, in the volcano, go to the volcano, and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. But in the American version, none of it. It will just go, literally, this is a solo quest, and it'll have, like, if it's blue, it's just a, 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 a scripted sequence where characters talk to each other. And literally, it could just be... You know, look how our cameras are now on the like the YouTube feed. It would just be one character stood in front of the other character and they talk. That could be it. Nothing else. Or if it's like I think it's like an orange icon or whatever, then it's a fight, and you get jumped, you get dumped right into a fight with no explanation of why it's going on. You don't know why you're in that area at all. Just this random person has decided to fight you, hasn't explained who they are either, and you're just like. Hmm? And that just goes on for ages. Just there's like hours and hours and hours of cutscenes with no explanation at all. And I'm like, uh, not the best way to explain the story. Uh, I, like uh, loads of people have actually just said they're not going to do it. There's a reward system set up in the American client to encourage you to do it. So like you'll get free items and stuff. But outside of that, they seem kind of pointless. And there's three whole episodes worth of it that they want you to do. So they've, they've screwed that up. They've screwed up the, the delivery of the story, which makes the whole thing kind of pointless, to be honest. The next thing they've screwed up, as I said earlier, drop rates and experience rates have been hugely increased. So, you know when you play... So you remember, do you remember when we used to play World of Warcraft on a, on a hooky server? Like, experience yeah. rates were really high, so like you could kill an enemy and end up like at level 20 in say one fight or whatever you know the experience rates have been increased so that you leveled up faster so there was no grinding and all that kind of stuff the versus like the the vanilla client or the original client kind of thing it's a way to kind of get people to play that version where they don't have to invest hours and hours and hours and hours to get to where they need to go the american client has done this too um so money in the original game wasn't too hard to come by but i mean you wouldn't be going out your way buying really expensive gear right at the start or fully stocking up on stocking up on items right at the start money just pours out of enemies in the american client i ended up with just over a million in my first week of playing it how long that take you a normal the japanese client? i, I don't think you? i've ever had a million in the japanese client and I've put hundreds of hours into the Japanese client. Does gear cost more? Have they like sort of increased the cost of gear and equipment, or is that, that similar sort of price? Here's where the other problem comes in: drop rates have increased too, so items drop out of enemies, like vital organs. So rare drops aren't exactly rare either. You can walk into a, a, a map, and instead of having to like farm a specific area or set of enemies to get certain drops. I mean, I walked into the forest area and there are certain enemies that will always give you rare drops now. You will, if you do not get two or three rare drops a run, there's something wrong with the client. There's something going on. You will just be thrown, items will just be thrown at you. Powerful weapons, powerful armor will just be handed to you on a plate. You don't have to work for it. Uh, it's, it's just given to you. Um, and if you were to, like, try and 
sell that item, it's worth nothing in the uh, in the item stores. You, there's no point even selling them on the uh, in the auction houses because they are so easy to get. Um, you are guaranteed to get fantastic, high-level, high-rarity items. Incredibly it's all defender trash, yeah, it just They just throw it at you as if it's just a junk item. So, okay. So, money is pointless. Uh, items are pointless. Experience rates are boosted too. You will find yourself leveling up incredibly, incredibly quickly. So, oh, and damage rates are up too. Okay, at level one, with the starter gun in the American client, I was doing more damage than I was at level 10 in the Japanese client. And I, st I, do. I still have video evidence of those early days to prove it. So, was the Japanese version like a really... Compared to other, because you've played lots of MMOs, mm -hmm. was the Japanese version like a, shall we say, a fairly unforgiving hard MMO compared to others? Have they brought it in line to the other MMOs with this, or they made it too easy compared to others? Nope, it's so easy, it's not even funny. It's, it's not even funny. There's no challenge to How it. Bizarre. I am now currently running through very hard mode solo. That's bizarre. It's, and you got to think, I've barely been playing it for. A week, two weeks, um, and I'm dominant. I mean, I am steamrolling very hard mode. But but have they changed mechanics a lot so that it's not? Because also you say you played the pre the Japanese version mm. a lot. Have they changed mechanics? I mean, are you steamrolling it because it's that easy, or because you're so familiar with how no, it works? It's just, no, it's so, just it's... so easy. The damage rates are so. Let's put it this way: at level twenty. Five, I think I was doing the same damage as I was at level 50 in the Japanese client. Wow. I am doing huge damage right at the start of the game. It's ridiculous. Um, I mean, so, like, my machine gun at the start of the game was doing the same amount of damage as my rocket launcher in the Japanese client at level 10. So a level 1 machine gun equates to... A level 10 rocket launcher so that's how unbalanced they are you walk into the main the first area just click and everything dies the first boss the first boss as an example isn't the same as what was in the Japanese client but here's how easy it is I stood still and I just continually clicked and it died I didn't move it dies. So it's, it sounds like they're just completely different versions of the game. They're not really related at all. They just use this name. Because mm -hmm. you said about catching Japanese players, but presumably they're on their own servers. There's no... Yep, there's no crossover cross at all. It's going to be a completely different game. So that's bizarre. So, because what, we, what it looks like they've done is they haven't been given version 1's client. They've been given, like... Episode 6's client and said, no, you guys can access episode 1, 2, and 3, but we'll make it so easy that you'll steamroll episode 1, 2, and 3. Because, so here's the trick. In the Japanese client, episode 1, 2, and 3 were eventually locked off. The original Matterboard delivery of story was locked off 
to more standardized quests where you would go and talk to characters which would then trigger a cutscene kind of thing. Once episode 4 came out, if you hadn't played episodes 1, 2, and 3, you didn't play them at all. Yeah. That content was lost to you, and then the character, like your character was almost reborn in episode 4. Um, we think this is why they're making episodes 1, 2, and 3, why they've released them all at once, right at the start, and they're making it super, super easy to get through them. So that they can say, like, our theory is probably within the next year, so six months to a year, we're thinking they're going to make the American client exactly the same as the Japanese one. So that six episodes will be available rather than three. And, you know, players will have max level characters and rare items and, you know, which really ruins the pacing. And it, it's... Like I, I said to a couple of my mates, I said, this is really dumb. Like, is it just me or is this really, really easy? And a few of my friends were like, dude, like, <laughs> rare items don't mean anything anymore. We don't understand the story. I mean, it was easier to follow the story when it was in Japanese with a dodgy translation patch applied. So they've really screwed the pooch on it. The game is still incredibly fun, but it's really, really, really easy. Um, That's... So utterly bizarre to do that. I mean, you're probably right. It's to you're you're probably absolutely you've hit the nail on the head. It is to get people caught up for when it, they the, effectively the two sides merge together. Mm-hmm. Well, it probably won't merge, but when they saw synchronize, yeah, because then that way other. they don't have to keep faffing around with the client. Because like I say, it's not episode one, two, and three's client. There is no matter board. No. A lot of the stuff that was available in episode one, two, and three isn't there. A lot of the stuff that was introduced in 4, 5, and 6 is there. Just a handful of areas that are literally introduced. Like, um, so we're traveling through space on, a, on an arc, a spaceship. And uh, in episode 4, I think it's episode 4, you could actually go to the main bridge, like the control room of the ship. You can still see where that door is. You've always been able to see it. But in episodes 1, 2, and 3, you couldn't go in there. It wasn't even like you couldn't... If you ran towards it, nothing happened. But in episode uh, in, in episode 4, you could walk through and teleport into that area. In the American client, the jump pad to access that area is there, which it shouldn't be. Uh, you should have to like run upstairs or whatever. And the area, when you walk up to the door, just says, no, you cannot access this area at this time. So what they've gone and done is, like, taken the new client and locked bits off. Cut bits out of it. Um, yeah. So well, that means they're going to get the latest version of the client for the developer, and they're not going to be working on a... They're not going to say, oh, I've got a CD of the old version of the client for you guys to use. Because there's going to be lots of, presumably, security patches, you know, bug mm. fixes and so forth there. It makes sense to use the latest version and sort of backwards add the stuff back in. Yeah. And at the same time, it took a bit of carte blanche to redo what they want. Yeah. But they've shamefully broken a lot of it. Like I say, it's still incredibly fun, but the game doesn't even get remotely challenging until after very hard difficulty. Yeah. Um, and I know this because I've actually already played one mission in the difficulty level above very hard. I can't remember what it's called. Like it might be extreme or something like that. But it's not until then that it starts to feel like the Japanese server. 
Yeah. Uh, but, you know... Your point, right, they realise that the concert they're going to want people to play, I'm assuming at some point it wants to be sort of combined, it's going yeah. to be like the level four, five, and six stuff. Mm-hmm. So you're right, probably they just want to get people up there as quick as they can. Yeah. It's almost like one, two, three, like just the tutorials again there. Yeah, pr- pretty much. I mean, it does seem a bit... I mean, I, I, I'm not totally objecting to the idea that if... if, if to put the story back in, mm-hmm. if it got... Because presumably, if you joined Fantasy Online when episode after episode four had been released, if you joined then, mm-hmm. you missed quite a lar- large chunk of the story was gone. Well, no, but it gave you a completely new story. So your character was woken up from stasis and it was effectively a new start. It was a new story. That old stuff, just pretend it was... That never happened. So there's no links from the old stuff to the new, so you um, wouldn't lose out. There are, but it, it's, it's, it. it's mentioned by other characters. Like, the, the you get summaries from other people. So it's not yeah. really a huge... I mean, it's bad to say it's not really a huge loss. It's fun content. But, um, you know, you, you wouldn't... You wouldn't be really hurt for not playing it. Same as, like, if you were to pick up World of Warcraft now. Yes, there's, you know, chunks of lore that you've missed... But it's not going to hurt your playtime any for not by not being there back in the vanilla days. Yeah, you know, or yeah, being yeah. there for Burning Crusades or uh, you know, Wrath of the Lich King, like that. It, it's happened. You've missed it, but it's not going to hurt your experience any because they do give you a full, uh, you know, a fresh new story to push you through those same areas and unlock even more. Uh, I just wish the delivery wasn't so fluff. You know, um, it's still an incredibly fun game. It's nice to see that now all you need to do to access the game is have a Microsoft account. Whereas before, I mean, so many players, some of my friends even, just didn't even get to the point of creating an account because it was so difficult. And I say difficult. Yeah. You know, um, you know, captures. Yeah. You had to complete one of those in Japanese on a Japanese keyboard. Ooh. to create an account so you had to nice. you had to copy so like you know if it says like copy this capture it's like you know c3 f whatever and you have to put that in they'd give you that same kind of and it like have like strike throughs in it and stuff like that they'd have one of those but with like japanese kanji in it and then you'd have to find yourself a japanese keyboard to be able to type that in and it would time out after like two minutes Fucking and then you'd have to start again and do... And so, so many people, we used to call that the, the Fantasy Star Online Gate Guardian. Like, you had to beat that first boss before you could even have an account. And so many people just didn't do it. They couldn't do it. Um, yeah. So it's just nice to see that everything is... You now you just have to have a Microsoft account. It will automatically sign you in. As long as, you know, like, your Microsoft... Like, as soon as you're... Uh, as, like... You log into the Microsoft store to get the thing. You're already logged into your Xbox account or your Microsoft account. You know, it patches itself up. That's that's fantastic. Um, and then just straight into the game. All in-game transactions are done through the Microsoft store too. So that's kind of nice. Uh, you don't have to worry about, you know, going through a third party to get like Japanese in-game cards or whatever. They've streamlined it. But, you know, but what at what cost? Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's all right. It's still fancy Star sure. Online too. 
So yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's still fun, isn't it? And it's fully uh, full English dialogue. Well, I'd hope so. <laughs> no, because it's, no, because a lot of games when they come out over here, they don't they don't dub them. They just change, oh, they just change the text. A lot of games. Oh, sorry. So there are a lot of RPGs that you get these days where they don't put English voices in them. They will just literally change the text. Sorry, I thought you meant when you said dialogue. I thought you meant text. I no, the, the you, you, you mean voice acting. Yeah, voice acting. Okay. So um, there are even there are even so in PSO two there were like in game events where you'd have like um, Japanese pop idols like digital pop idols. So, you know, like Hatsune Miku and, uh, you know, like the Vocaloids. You must know who Hatsune Miku is. So, it's a, uh, basically, it's just a, a digital singy fucking... It's a pop idol, but it's a computer. Um, it's right. There's no real woman. There is a real woman voice behind Hatsune Miku, but she's just a character. Um, like, that character will be in the game, and they will have, like, in-game concerts for her. At certain points, um, they've even redone the voice acting for those. So they're in American English now, rather than rather than full Japanese like they were originally. Um, everything everything's been done. In some cases, it's really weird because, as I say, they haven't fleshed out why any of these characters do or mean anything. But I I couldn't imagine being tasked to do the dialogue for that game. So, if someone comes to you and says, Gaz, mm. I'm going to Fantasy Star Online. Mm -hmm. Which version are you going to attempt to play? Ease of Access, American, player base. they don't know anything about it or anything like that. They just, they just, I fancy it, I want to get into it. So Ease of Access, American. I suppose these days, content is going to have to be American because Episode 1, 2 and 3 is gone in the Japanese client. Player base, because I mean, if you're American again, you're going to have to go to the American. But if you really want to go, assuming you're you're prepared to go through the the hoops to if, play the Japanese, if you're version. willing to go through the, if you're willing to jump through the hoops to play the Japanese version, play the Japanese version. But I think that a lot of the cool stuff about the Japanese server is gone. Uh, you know, like because. Episodes 4, 5, and 6 are out now. You can't play episode 1, 2, and 3. So that story is lost to you. Yeah. Um, just go with the American client. Just understand that it's really easy. And at some point, I hope the game becomes a challenge. Yeah. Uh, I hope when 4, 5, and 6 drop, that the difficulty scales. Because it is such a cakewalk right now. It's not even funny. The fact that in some cases I have just stood there and fired at the boss and it has died. A lot of people are thinking that PSO2 is just really easy. It's like, well, it was never like this. It was never this yeah. easy. Uh, but loads... You youngsters of your American easy version, I grew up, I, did, I, had, to, I had to get put squiggles in to get in. And it's true, though. I had this version. rant. I did have that rant on stream. And Bloody youngsters, you don't know you're born. It was... It's nice to see it. I, I will say, I, I got a little bit kind of like... <gasps> When the PC client came out, because originally Microsoft, the PC client only came out like a week ago. Um, the oh, wow. the Xbox client has been out for a couple months. When that PC client released, I logged into 
PSO2, went to my ship, which is the server that I'm on, and for the first time ever, even on the versus the Japanese version, the lobby was packed full. I had never seen so many players on PSO2 chatting and talking about the old times. Because on the Japanese servers, I barely saw anyone talking. You know, if there were many people playing at all. I mean, obviously... And also, if you did, you'd be able to understand them. Uh, but yeah, and t I guess with time zone differences and that, but the fact that at any time of the day since the PC client has come out, admittedly, if you're playing like super early hours American or super late American, it's not full, but there's always plenty of players floating about yeah. kind of chatting and, and doing things. And it kind of... It made me smile a little bit. They might have balked it, but it's fantastic that PSO2 has still got an audience. Is it brilliant as well? I mean, I don't know about, much about Fancy Star. I mean, were the other game is it? Were the other games released got have had like American or and European releases, or has it all been Japanese only? Um, most of what them. What I'm saying is, are they introducing? Is this something that most is it a series that most people would never have experienced if it wasn't for this? Well, so funny enough, um, Fantasy Star. Over here was bigger than Final Fantasy in the UK because in the UK the first Final Fantasy we got was Mystic Quest, and then I think it was um, Final Fantasy VII. After that, was that the first big one we got? So America got one, four, and six, I think, and then they got seven. Um, but Fantasy Star, we got all of them. Uh, you yeah. know, we got Fantasy Star 1 on the Master oh, System. Right. And Master System was a bigger... Over here, the Master System was a bigger seller than Nintendo. Sega outdid Nintendo in the early days in the UK. So, Fantasy Star was the big RPG to topple Final Fantasy um, for Sega. And they were... It sold pretty well. Um, you can still easily get hold of copies of Fantasy Star 1 through 4 um, in the UK. Fantasy Star Online was hugely popular on the Sega Dreamcast and was released worldwide. Um, I was there for the server shutdown of um, Fantasy Star Online 1 on the Dreamcast. And we used to play that in the dial-up days. Um, you know, it was one of the first console MMOs, I suppose. Um, so that was that was kind of neat. Uh, Fantasy Star Universe had a big audience in America and England, so that was westernized as well. Um, it's literally only been Fantasy Star Online Two that didn't get a release. It took them eight years. Absolutely bizarre, really. There's so many weird choices that have gone into that stage. So. I have a theory as to why they didn't release immediately in the West. So, when Fantasy Star Online 2 first came out, it was hacked by uh, English-speaking players. So, they actually moved important NPCs to places where you couldn't get to them. So, you couldn't, con you couldn't actually do story stuff. 
because it was it was it was hacked by hacked by these players, and so originally they were banning any English speaking player they found on the server, uh, and some uh, some ISPs can't actually connect to Fantasy Star Online too. You have to go through a proxy. So we think maybe it was a bit of punishment for not for fucking around with their game. <laughs> Pessy? I suppose, but if you're if you're hacking a game with lo- like you know, it's, it has got microtransactions and stuff in it. If you're going to hack the game to ruin their shit, you're going to you're going to ruin a Japanese gamer's experience. When you're not even supposed to have access to the game yet, because obviously you... that's probably a small minority of people who did that who wanted to play. It's probably a small, smallish group who did that. Well, yeah, sure, but that doesn't mean that Sega ain't going to have a stick up their ass and say, "Look, no, if you're, it's a bit petty. You're, you're, it's a... you're fucking with our experience. Get out." Um, yeah. And like I say, you in some ISPs couldn't actually connect to the Japanese servers. So, you know, there was there was something going on there. Now, I, like I said, I've been playing it for eight years, or nearly eight years, and it's been pretty solid for me. And thankfully, BT could just connect straight to British Telecom. The 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 um, my ISP could literally just straight out connect to the Japanese client with no need to no need to faff. Um, yeah. But you know, yeah, it it is a bit of a dick thing to not have it out it's nice that we do finally have it i mean there were even reports back in the day that just by applying the english patch you could be banned because you're modifying the game client uh you got to remember sony back in the day when the psp came out shut down Lixang, the importer or exporter i guess you go to Lixang, you say i want to have a, a psp from japan and sony were like not having that. It's not been released in the West yet. And they sued the shit out of them. Caused them to shut down. The Japanese don't want you having access to shit that you're not supposed to have until they say you can have it. They're, you know, Sony and all that uh, and Sega have gone out of their way in the past to stop people having access to things before they should have them. So weird, so strange, but yeah, I get. I, I, even if I don't agree with why they did, I understand sort of why they did it. Sure, and like I'm, just, I'm glad people still want to play it. All these years later, I'm glad that people are saying like, "Wow, this game's like really old, but it's fantasy style, and I want to have a go." Have they like updated, like improved the graphics at all? No. I don't know if they messed around the clients much. Marvel like done a little bit of a graphical pass. No, runs on a pasty. Same engine. Yeah, it literally runs on a on a pasty. It looks just like it did back when I played it all those years ago. Even if you look on the Microsoft Store's uh, uh, page, I think they require like a CoreTube Duo and a like a an eighty eight hundred GT or something similar. You know, it's it it runs on nothing. I mean, the weirdest thing I think about Fantasy Star Online two at the moment is that the Nintendo Switch doesn't have a proper client. Even though the Sony PlayStation Vita had a full client. So something that is way less powerful 
then uh, the Nintendo Switch had a full client, whereas the Switch, you have to stream it. Yeah. It's weird. Very weird. Very weird. But I'm glad the game's out. I'm glad it's finally out. I don't like what they've done with a lot of it, but I will continue to play in hopes. I can't wait for episode four to come out. I loved episode four in Japanese, uh, and I, I really hope that it, they don't screw with it in on this client. And I'm hoping that by the time episode four comes out, that everything kind of balances out. We'll but for, for an action RPG, uh, it's, it's pretty fun. Cool. Right, so, moving on. Mm. I'm playing a game called Observer. Right. You've got this on your wish list. Have um, I? I've got I loads have, of things yes. on my wish list. Uh, yeah, it's it's a cyberpunk... I'm going to call it a walking simulator. Okay. Even though there are some bits in it with hot or high elements where you have to do a bit of stealth survival horror bits, mm. they're quite... <laughs> That was either dog or your wife. I'm not sure which. <laughs> There's like sort of some stealth horror moments that we have to sort of like avoid an enemy. Not more. There was a bit one bit more when it's generally an enemy. They're very few and far between. Okay. So I am going to point out so it's definitely more towards the walking simulator side of things, and the stealth bits aren't very hard. They're pretty straight. The enemies aren't very smart. Um, basically, they have a light. If you avoid the light, you'll avoid them. It's really quite straightforward. So I want to say it's more of a walking simulator. So it's uh, made by a company called Blooper, um, who did Layers of Fear. Don't know if you've heard of that game at all. I think that might be on my wish list too. Quite possibly. Um, they're Polish developers. The game's set in Poland. Uh, set in the year 2084. Um, and so in the future, pretty much the one thing you need to know is that pretty much everybody's augmented. To the point where if you're not augmented, it's seen as not necessarily bad but as a strange mm-hmm. you know like well you know maybe that's a bit that's a bit weird that you're not augmented because like even like the most basic jobs require you have like some basic augmentation for you to do them sure um so it's uh, everybody's augmented it's just a thing everybody has some more than others uh two basic major disasters have happened by the year 24 there was a thing called the nanophage and it was actually a computer bug and it infested all, it is a computer virus that got onto people's augments and basically told their nanobots to start eating them. Oh, brutal. Or so, yeah. Um, and it could be passed to the So it's basically, like, it's basically like a digital plague. Fantastic. So they're so they're so paranoid about this. If someone, if someone comes out, if they suspect nanophage, they lock down the whole area and they basically send teams and just to wipe everybody out. Kill everybody. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty bad. There's also another major world war. Um, and it's implied, although it's never actually status, that pretty much most people died. Most societies collapsed. Sure. You know, it said that it said the East destroyed the West, the West destroyed the East. So it implies that both the big all superpowers are gone. There's only a few left. Okay. Out of these ashes, um, this big company arrived called Shywon. Um, it's a usual cyberpunk fair or big massive company that owns everything. Mm. And they basically rose power in Poland. Can model national company it's implied they sort of spread further afield mm-hmm. but they basically own everything they are the government you know they own the police force they own everybody were they like the saviour company like when everything fell to pot they were the ones that came out of the ashes to 
I want to say it's going to say Saviour Company. They survived the best, that's a oh, better okay, term. Fair they're not a nice, like most, again, Cyberpunk, they're not a nice company. Sure. They're not the. Well, no, I, just, not, I just weren't sure if, like, maybe they had that, you know, that corporate frontage of, like, we can supply oh, everything yes. to the world and yes. it's going to be fantastic. Oh, yeah. And, like, is that how they yes, managed the to Yes, the tribes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, the tribes are the good guys. But most people know they're not good people. Okay. So, you are an observer. Okay. And your basic special ability is you have you're able to connect to people's neural interfaces, which they use to control the augments, and you can basically effectively mind rape them. You can go into their brains and you can basically and they call it interrogating. You wow. go into their brains and you can influence them as you can basically see their thoughts and so much basically you interrog- you're basically this interrogator. So if you're not if you're wondering someone's lying to you, you get this guy and it's a big case, this guy turns up, plugs himself into your brain and just finds out the truth from you yeah it's pretty it's quite a dangerous profession um people go there's talk about these guys themselves go mad eventually because they sort of like lose track of who's who oh, okay sure. obviously going up people's minds and memories and they have to do, they use this drug called synchrony which basically keeps them synchronized they don't they start hallucinating and all sorts it's quite weird so you are this guy and you are basically between calls and you get a strange phone call on your radio, your car radio, as in your police car radio. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. And it's on your son who disappeared through his, a few years previous. Right. And you manage to track away and he sort of cuts the call off short and you manage to track that he came from an old apartment building. So you head to the apartment building and... When you get eventually, and you sort of talk to the one of the main characters called Janice, and he sort of directs you to where your son's apartment is, and you get there and you find a body with no head. Yes, okay, oh. good start. And also, you, you have a little bit. You actually had the guy actually has a heart attack. Oh, for fantastic! When he sees, he thinks he's found his dead son. Um, and as a bit of a breakdown, so he decides to start investigating it and so forth. During this, most of this, when find this, he's a thing called lockdown occurs, mm. and basically not just what I said. They suspect nanophage lockdown, and it literally means they lock the building down, like shutters go across, blocks everything up. You can't get in or out. Most of building doors lock. You can't. It basically locks the whole building down. It's alarms go off, and it can only be lifted when the when everything's sort of deemed safe. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, you're stuck in this apartment block, and you've got to try and find out. Is this person in front of your son? Mm. If not, who he is? What happened to him? Because you know he's got he's got wounds on him that don't look made by humans. Okay. Oh, any animal you know about? You know, um, so you have to investigate it now. To help you with this, you have two what they call investigation modes. They're basically like a visual overlay. You have like a bio mode, which we activated basically, and so it's all this filter goes on where like the whole world sort of like gets sort of faded out. And you see like sort of pulses of like energy that's all like highlights. Okay. So bio mode highlights or bio stuff, and you can then analyze it. So you can say, okay, this is blood, oh, and it'll tell you things like, oh, this is not recognized DNA, or you can uh, analyze like the last of the runes on him. You can find like drugs that analyze and tell you what they are. There's also a similar tech mode, which is the same thing for technology. It allows you to like analyze technology, computers, and so forth, find information about them, so forth. So basically, you are you are detective mode. You are trying to investigate and find out what happened. And as you uncover these bits, you get further in. Um, 
and you eventually start talking to the neighbours around the park block. Most they the this game was obviously produced a little bit on a budget, so there are very few character models in it. All the neighbours communicate to you via these holocoms, like sort of video phones, oh, their okay. doors. Uh, but the video phone only shows you like a really close up blurry part of their face. You might see like the eye or like their mouth moving, and it's also it's a loop, okay. like a series of frames looped. So it's also going to be a budget. They could, I mean, they, the character ones they got look quite good. They also didn't have a lot, so they had to really cut down on what they did have. And most occasions you might meet a dead, so they're not moving about. Again, probably to it's it's easy to not model yeah, dead sure, bodies. Sure. So basically, you have to try and work your way through and find out what happens. So, well, I can't sort of go too depth, obviously, because I'll start getting into the story a bit too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, that's two, I'm talking about the Barmo and the Tecmo, which is two main ways of interfacing people. His other way of interfacing with is, is obviously this observer functionality. And that's how you're basically going to find out what goes on. So, eventually, you'll come across uh, this dead guy and you decide to investigate it. Now, it's worth noting that. It's implied that it's not really a good idea to plug yourself into someone who is dead and try and you can you can do it and get their memories out, but they're probably not the best idea because they are dead. So you're going to find yourself really. It's 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 basically gives you the computer, computer gives you this massive war. Like seriously, don't do this. You I not I might not be able to pull you out if it all goes horribly wrong. Yeah. Um, the first guy you meet is actually dying, so you sort of connect to him as he's dying. The computer pulls you out when he finally dies under under the influence. Mm-hmm. And so the memories you see basically are retelling basically their life story. But what they've done, which is a bit clever, is basically you're seeing like this all jumbled version of their basically their worst memories. Presumably, I think the implication is the stuff that you can read are like the really high stress moments in their lives. Which tend to be the worst memories, mm-hmm. perhaps happiest ones as well. But generally, people are like the real, the bits that sort of the bit. The, the, let's face it, the bits that probably stick vividly in your mind are probably your, are usually your, the worst things that have happened to you. They're the ones that tend to stick around, yeah. Or perhaps the happiest things that happen to you, but those are things stick around. So I think it's surprised what you're doing, and all the places are a bit weird and so forth. Um, you go to one where you're this woman hacker. She's like, sort of, you can find yourself like back in her office and. It does some really clever things, like they'll just like to sort of simulate sort of the day to day. You'll just see like these shadows, all these people who were there. They're just running around and moving around, and do all, it's like I was like watching it in fast forward, like the day go by and fast forward, and you're just like, all these people running around. Um, and yeah, basically you have to go for this, and you basically have to sort of piece together what's happened by facing the, the bits in the bright minds are weird. They are quite linear. There's not really a place to get lost. Those are the bits where most of the stealth sections occur. Like I say, there's like a strange creature, and it's and it's the same in all the dreams, all the memories you go. It's the same thing. So it's that which implies maybe not in their head, as it were. It might be something else. And it's basically, and you have to sort of stealth your way around it. But it's so easy once you know how it works. It's really easy. Okay. And so the stuff isn't hard. So you don't worry too much about it. It's not hard. Uh, it's actually more frustrating than anything because it's like, oh, another, st- another bit here. I will say a lot of the dream sequences go on a bit too long. Some is the, Again, the woman who's like the sort of hacker I was investigating, I've got to say, like, right, okay, I get what's happening now. I understand what's happening now. Let's end this. I, I've worked out what I need to do, but oh, I've got this another bit to do, another bit to do, another bit to do. It just kept going and going and going. And there's only probably about half a dozen of these sort of 
interrogations you do over the course of the, the game, but and they're all quite weird. And they all are so they're all pretty nicely done. They they do they do a good thing of getting across this person's history. They're not just they and what happened to them and so forth. They are it's quite cool. I can't go too much more because I'll start getting spoilers okay. on the film. Um what I can say is it looks really nice. They've really... It's based very much on 80s sci-fi. I was, I was going to say, I've actually... Whilst you were talking, I actually looked it up and I remember the, the Steam, like, graphic thumbnail for it. The guy who was like his all eyes over yeah. Ted's, yes. Yeah. Uh, kind of like yeah. the Games Master, if you remember that TV show from back yeah, in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of like that kind yeah. of groove. Um, and it was like very, um, very kind of like uh, 80s neon-y and, and yeah. all that kind of... Yeah, sure. The 80s it's version very, of the future version. It's very Blade Runner. Yeah. Versus what which we is, actually have. Which should be worth mentioning that the main guy is voiced by Rupert Hager, who played the like lead simulant in Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Um, who died a couple of years ago. He died this would have been this wasn't his last this would have been one of his last projects he did before he died. Mm-hmm. Actually that which thank is a little you bit for reminding me. I actually remember that um, one of uh, Inky's clients, I suppose, years ago actually gave us a copy of Blade Runner on DVD. I There was a new Blade Runner made, was there not? There is. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. I've got... See, I've got Blade Runner on DVD. I tell you my point with Blade Runner mm. is their dialogue is so quiet compared to the surrounding noises. Mm-hmm. I really struggle to... I really struggle to follow the dialogue. It's so quiet. To, they've really, it's so quiet compared to everything else. It's been so long since I've watched Blade Runner. I'd have to you know, go through it again. Um, yeah. But I wanted to watch the the follow-up. Uh, but because yeah. I can't remember everything that went on in the, the, the original, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to go uh, go through that again. But I really want to see the... Because I want to know if it's any good. You know, I... Uh, for my, I've, it's been a few years since I saw Blade Runner and I did enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It's a very weird, strange film, but it's sort of... It, to me, Blade was very much the antithesis of 80s sci-fi. It's basically what everybody thought the future was going to be. And this is exactly what this game riffs off. Sure. It's, this, I mean, all the computers still use floppy disks. Oh, fantastic. And stuff. Yeah. And uh, when you access the computers, they sort of use like an old-style, you know, interface term. They look... Like it's a computer that looks. It's the old style computers where like the monitor is built into the base unit, and the keyboard and all one, mm-hmm. all, all in one. Yeah. And like the half the monitor's front screen is control is took up with control knobs and stuff sure, and switches. Sure. Yeah. It's all like designed to look like that. There are more fancy stuff because it's implied where you are is like they call class C um, residence. So you've got different classes of citizens A, B, and C. The A's get all the fancy stuff. The C's have got yeah. trash. But yeah. So it's a part of the reason you go around all the stuff looks pretty shit. It's because they are like the lowest. Yeah. That group stuff of people. is sufficient to get on, but it's not particularly it's cheap. pleasant. Probably yeah. it's cheap. Is probably the biggest truth of the matter. Mm. Um, it's applied class B seems to be like sort of the middle classes and class A are like sort of the upper wealthy classes. It's yeah. It's just, I love I love the art stuff. There are a couple of issues. One, the field of view is terrible. Okay. It's so narrow. It's like where it looks like you're wearing blinkers the whole time. Oh. It's so narrow. Uh, to the point was the first I played on Monday, I had to stop playing after an hour and a half because I was getting motion sick. Sure. And I don't usually do... I've very rarely... I've never got motion sick before in a game on a screen. I've had it in VR a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but on actually screw my computer, I've never got actual motion sickness to the point where even just coming off for like 10 minutes, I still felt ill. So I take it there's so, no menu to change that, or is there like an, 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 like an any file or anything you can change? Yes, there's an any file you can hack it. There is a hacking guide. Um, it, it's a bit hidden away. Mm. Um, but I just went quickly Google and someone on Steam had put, explained how, and basically you have to add some lines to the INI file okay. to hack it. I will put a link in the show notes to that guide. So anyone who plays this game, I, sh- I honestly, I literally, ha- I literally did was increase, I increased the field of feedback a little bit and it made it a lot more playable. I, I did that, that fixed all my problems I had with it because it, when, it's only when you see the pictures, uh, when, when I was like, because some of the missions are quite difficult. I did have to look up. Am I going to do the right way here? I did quickly look up a couple of guides. And when I look at the pictures of the guide compared to what I could see, it was a noticeable difference. Okay. In, and it, and it, you look at me, how, is it, how can anyone play it like that? Mm. That is really tiny. And it's a very common complaint, actually. Where they, they, it's, it's, it was complained about a lot sort of doing development and so forth. It's really where they didn't let you change it. Yeah, I was going to say, it's interesting that it's, it's an... It's literally a super hidden option, so there is no menu for it in the game, and yet the game yeah. support or the engine supports it, but it's not even in the base settings file. It's an Unreal based engine, so Unreal has a lot of stuff oh, in the okay, files. Fair enough. It's like the original Unreal. Uh, that's how that's an old trick to get um, original. If you play an old Unreal game, certain generation, I think it's Unreal Engine for two. Um, the resolution of the game is just an INI file setting. Mm-hmm. So day, the original Deus Ex, released 2000, the options in the menu for like resolution are all 4x3. Mm-hmm. But if you what put you it 1920 going, by 1080 Works is, perfectly. But this is what I mean, though. Because like, a lot of games were like that. Like I can remember playing, as random as this sounds, like there was an old Pirates of the Caribbean game, which was, it was actually a, another game that they rebadged as Pirates of the Caribbean. And the ship that you start with in the game is literally there's a string in the INI file, and if you change the name of the ship to one you want, it will just literally give it to you at the start of the game, no questions yeah. asked. But what I mean is that yes, it's an option that you can add into, or that it's it is in the INI file, but the fact that it's not even visible in the INI yeah. and you can add it in it just seems a bit you know that's really weird because normally you look I at think, it and you're like oh resolution there it is i'll just change that and i i suspect that's just an unreal engine thing sure. unreal engine is, is obviously it's probably functionality of the engine they just didn't plan for you to do it so they took it out yeah of okay they definitely they probably you could probably it's probably a bit like unity you could probably hard code it in but then it'll, if it reads on iphones for configuration oh i see that screen i know what that means that means i changed this yeah it's. I would say it's what it probably comes down to. Sure. Uh, but it's weird. It's a weird choice because I find it very hard to believe because it's such a common complaint about it. I felt hard to believe that when they were play tested it, none person said, "Do you know that this is really giving me really bad for my eyes and all sorts." It's. It's really horrible to play. I mean, oh, if I can get hold of a copy of it on the cheap, because I actually looked at it and it's more expensive than I remember it, um, and I know why I put it on my list because it's Linux compatible. Um, uh, not because I had any particular interest in the game, but if there's a Linux compatible game on Steam, I tend to put it in my wish list because it supports the operating system that I like to use. But if it ever goes on sale, I might take a crack at it just so I can see what you're on about. Um, yeah, it's a neat, it's a neat game. You have to. I quite like Cyberpunk. Yeah, I do quite like Cyberpunk. 
Um, I don't know if you're really into cyberpunk or not. I think if you don't, you may not be so. I used to play a game called Cyberpunks on the Amiga back in. Well, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. But I've always quite a fact. I mean, it's why I like the original Deus Ex. It's all cyberpunk, basically. Mm -hmm. In fact, this game feels very Deus Exy because the source storyline, it could almost be set in the Deus Ex universe, but a slightly different place, Mm -hmm. and it wouldn't feel out of place. Sure. It ties in quite neatly. Mm. So uh, I do like Subbox. I like the story. I like the sort of storyline. I like the way it works. Um, well, it's more of a walking simulator than anything else. Which is, be interesting to see which is fair. Go, give it a go. It's about 10 hours long, which is pretty decent. I think, That's for fantastic for a, yeah. you know, a sarcastic air quotes walking simulator, let's be fair. Yeah. Um, if they're not marketing it as a walking simulator. That is a hell of a good amount. It's a long old game, and... There's definitely stuff a lot. There is a there is a lot of stuff in it that you have to. There's a bit. There is a little bit of pixel hunting in it. Like you want to find a like specific clue to get on, and there's like a single photo in this corner that if you miss it, you won't be able to carry on. Sure. And there's a few bits like that. It's like you need to get all these bits. It gives you a list of about twenty items you need to scan. Unless you scan all of them, you won't click hit the trip the clue that gets you yeah, moving on. That's a, that's a little bit frustrating. We at least do it as a majority of things, and like as an option, get more. Yeah. Um, but it's, I found it quite neat. I sort of found myself getting into it. I do think it's probably a little bit too long. You did, as you said. You, you know, the, some sections do feel like they drag on a tad. So, what would yeah, you say it's... would have been a better length for it then, if not ten? I reckon I could probably cut a couple of hours out. So of you it. reckon say six, six solid? Eight. I reckon eight. eight. Okay. Yeah, a couple of hours I could probably knock out of it. Just to sort of... There's, like, there's a bit right towards the end of the game where you think you're going to get to the end of the game, but there's like a whole other section. That section doesn't really add much to it. Yeah. So I think myself, I'm not so sure if this is really... Necessary. Worth it. But, but it's got some beautiful bits in there. It's beautiful. This bit right, at the, right towards the end where you're like this... Best way I can describe it, it's like a forest, but all the leaves, like this all gold-coloured bronze, they glow. Mm. That's absolutely beautiful. It's like, I want this in VR. I want to be like, just sort of like sit in this forest. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So it's really neat. So I like, I like this. I like the art. So I like the sort of setting of music. I think it's, it's, it's a fairly fleshed out universe. It gives you just enough. And the concept's quite interesting as well. I was just giving myself, well, this is actually a concept. Not, there aren't many concepts I see in games that you could transfer quite easily over to like a TV series. You could transfer it's quite easy to a TV series. I could see you do it because it's all the idea of going to people's minds and so forth. Mm-hmm. That would work. It's It's got some neat ideas that someone could move across with. So, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. But you'll need to like Cyberpunk and you'll need to like walking simulators to get on because there's a lot of just walking around talking to people and you can ignore most of that yeah. if you want but if you do you go use a lot of other storylines sure but i mean you like you said you have to like cyberpunk and walking simulators but if the game looks really good like you say it does yeah. then mate like give me hours and hours and hours of just absorbing a world i'm fine with that yeah. as long as it looks it the part yeah i think it's very atmospheric it's got good atmosphere in it cool so no, I would definitely, yeah, definitely give a thumbs up to this one. Rock on. Definitely recommend it. Cool. Right, so shall we do a bit of chat about our newest feature, the Ryan Nerds Game Nights? Sounds like a plan, man. Right, so 
Uh, me and Skyers have started, as we've been locked down, we thought we'd better start playing games with each other a bit more. Well, in fairness, so we, we haven't still... before. No, we haven't, actually. I think, actually, to, um, as in, like, just me and you play a game, which I think the last time me and you actually co-opted a game. Rain uh, on the PlayStation 3. That's probably it. But that wasn't really co-op, though, was it? Because we were just shopping controllers back and forth. Well, sure, but that's probably one of the last games we actually played together, full stop. Well, that wouldn't last would without last, though, wouldn't it? Oh no! Yeah, you are right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as in, like, as in, like, and silent playing hill, a game yeah. together, actually in, playing it, two separate people playing the same game. Yeah, so. I tell you what, it was overcooked. Yeah. The last year, trophy over the last game we played together. But re- like, traditionally speaking, over all of the years, because I mean, I've known you a long old time, Ram. Like, if you were to count <laughs> the number of games that you and I have played together, or even <laughs> sessions that we've played together. You can count them on one hand. So, <laughs> I think that's about right. You know, yeah. um, which is kind of weird in the grand scheme because we've both played a lot of the same stuff, but we've never really played it together. So No, we haven't. So we decided we better start doing that. Mm-hmm. So we decided to beat up and have a games night. And yeah, so we did our first one a couple of weeks ago, which we haven't talked about, was we played uh, We Were Here. Mm-hmm. Which is a little puzzle game. Co-op, uh, um, so a co-op puzzle game with a split perspective. So Ram gets like one half of the game and then yeah. I get another, the other half. I get to describe... We both have to kind of describe our environments to one another and yeah. then Ram would, be in, like, would have like instruction books and things like that or maps to then help guide me through. And then when I find puzzles, I have to describe parts of the puzzles yeah. and then he has to then try and take what I've given him and find the solution. It's a bit like an escape room mm-hmm. crossed with Nightmare, Yeah, the TV series. Yeah. So, yeah, so the one we played, you have two classes, basically. You have the librarian and the explorer. Mm. You were the explorer and I was librarian. So, yeah, as you say, I have these resources and I had to guide you through. Mm-hmm. And that was interesting because it does rely on good communication. Um, and what I will say is we when, had... we init- when we initially launched up, when we got into that first room, I was terrified that we weren't going to be able to figure it out because the game gives you literally nothing. Um, it does tell you hints. If you In hindsight, it does give you quite a few hints. Mm. We just were very bad at spotting them. Sure, sure. To be fair, I think half issue was is the first, the first bit... There's a war chart with some eyes on it coloured, and what I can see, and the symbols next to it. Yeah. And you've got a war code and symbols. Now, what you have to do is you have to look up at the war and see the two coloured eyes. Towards them right up high, so unless you did look up, you wouldn't see yeah, it. Because I, I basically took this video from both our perspectives. I've gone through because I watched yours the next day just to see what you could see, because I obviously couldn't see your screen. Mm-hmm. Um... I was like, oh, that's what he was talking about. That makes sense. Now. I didn't understand what he meant the first time. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, I, I will be honest because, like, I only glanced up, and there were some times when I just literally, I just took my hands off my keyboard and yeah, left I my s- mouse, and I was just like, I'm trying to process. Like, there must be something I'm missing here. Yeah. Um, but once we got into the groove of it, I mean, communication was pretty solid. To be honest with you, yeah, um, yeah we blasted like through that game. Mm. But the only tricky bits we had was the flooding room, <laughs> yeah. which I found out the answer to. I actually thought, what were we meant to do there? Because we, Evening Annie, we got past that by luck. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I had a room with three valves in it. Scars had a room that was filling with water, and I had to turn two correct valves to change it. In this guy's room was a, a side above door with a colour name on it. And it's I tell you what it was, it's my colour blindness. Because mm-hmm. I found so I said I said I've got a one red wheel, one blue wheel, one yeah, one um yellow wheel. Mm-hmm. It's not RGB, red, green, blue. Mm-hmm. It's you mix the two colours together. See, I was a tad concerned was... about that to start with, because when I looked at it, I was like, oh no, we're starting to deal with colour. You're colour blind. I'm shade blind. Shade it's like blind. oh shit. I was like, I, d- some- I didn't know, like, am I supposed to be describing the colour of the piping that's in my room? Yeah. I was like, yeah. is this brown? Is it orange? What is this? Because if I get it there's wrong, some- then we might not be able to figure out the puzzle. There's some great bits in the edit, because also you just go, oh shit, my room's filling with water. Yeah, I said, like, that's what's not- going on? Oh, there's uh- nothing, there's nothing to worry about. I was like, oh no! Uh- <laughs> it's like, crap, <laughs> well, hurry up! Is- <laughs> Well, the best bit is, at one point you laugh. When the form is where you, I don't know if, it, I don't know if it's Discord or if you've got some filter on. Whenever you laugh, like high pitch, sort of cut the top of your pitch oh, off. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Just have it like a gurgle. So you, like, I'm drowning, you laughed, and then it's just like you gurgling. Yeah. It's like perfectly timed. But there's this bit where I'm like, I'm just, I just, because I can't see your screen at this point. I don't know how bad it's getting. I just, you keep saying it's filling of water. It's like, it can't be that bad. And I watch, I go back and watch it, and there's this bit where, like, you say, um, I'm, I'm like on top of the pipes and I just say I can't help yeah, you. Yeah, like I have scrambled, <laughs> I, I have do, climbed I as high as I can and I'm like going for pockets of air like I'm desperately <laughs> trying to survive. And it's like, no! <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it is, it, it was fun. It, the tables do get turned at the end though because it's a bit where I have to describe what's going on and you have to do all the manipulation. Yeah, which was really weird because like um, I didn't even get kind of like I mean I was given like a, a a symbol to describe what it was that you were going to see, mm. um, and then I got a control board that told me nothing. So it was they weren't labelled. Yeah, it was all guesswork to start. With. I was like, now I have to try, it. and I've got a horrible memory. So I was like, I've got six controls in front of me. Only five of them seem to work. You know, I've now got to try and remember which one controls what. And then there was another switch that if I hadn't have noticed, like if I hadn't have just looked around the room and noticed, we wouldn't have been able to finish the puzzle anyway. No. What's interesting about that is you do was we were literally just a wall between us. There's literally, because the bits where they were sliding, the little like side rooms you had they were sliding out of, Mm. They were then signed immediately onto my stage. There's literally just a wall between us. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, and I got killed two times by this weird puppety thing. Yeah, so avoid the puppet and the water. Yeah, what happened? It happened, and I just looked around. I was like, oh, there's a puppet there. It's making, I don't like the look of it. I just kept looking back at it, and then every so often, there's this little tinkling noise. I look back, it's got slightly closer to me. It's like, scares. Scares. Yeah, the only time you were in danger... My, I yeah, boy, am... you you had flooding and ice. That's where you ah, buy the ah. things. No, I had flooding. <laughs> I had ice. I had stabby death. <laughs> yeah, but they're all things that you could see that exist in the real world. I had this supernatural marionette chasing after me, and it's and it kept moving. At one point, it gets to just sits in the front row and stares at me. And you're like, that's bloody terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bloody terrifying. Anyway, if you wish to enjoy this experience with us, I've edited together basically me me I downloaded 
both me and Skaz's viewpoints of this. Mm-hmm. I've edited them together into a, into a single file, just like I sort of run through. There's a few bits of cut out, like where we die and to go through the puzzles again. I've cut all that out, sure. so it's like just to the. You like we die, and then we go straight back to that room again. Um, but that will be. I've got that upload. I think it's going to come out on Monday. Fantastic. So if you wish to watch, if you wish to watch through, you can watch through the whole game from start to finish. And, but me and Skaz's relative perspectives, and it is quite well. Like when you can switch back and forth, it is quite funny. That was pretty. That was fun. That was because yeah, I was so I was like this nice room was so calm. Like Skaz saying, "Ram, Ram, I'm freezing to death. I literally can't see anything." It's like, yeah, it's like shush. I'm watching, I'm watching to, a movie. You're trying to fucking <laughs> describe a game of chess to me. You're like, yeah, count it. It's like Ram, I can't see. <laughs> like I, I, I thought, couldn't even again. count the squares. You're like, yeah, like. Four. I'm like, Ram, I can't even see four fucking squares. I can barely see the bit where I've just moved the last piece. Does it go next to this piece or like in front of it or behind it? Because I can't count the individual squares. Yeah. Charles, I mean, you all had different definitions of next to. To me, next to means literally the next space. Like, well, I can't get there. Well, it was Ram. parallel I to. Yeah. I see, I think, see, I think, he said this for. What's Scarce going on about? There's no way it can physically move that. It's, it's on the white spaces, so it can't move onto the black one. He's, he's going mad. Yeah, but yeah. I thought, oh, I'll just. Uh. But it was fun. It was really neat. And it proves that we can work together if we put our minds to it. It's fantastic, isn't it? Which is yeah. funny because a lot of people say, nah, you two couldn't do that. You two couldn't work together. It's like, ha, proved you're fucking wrong, you bastards. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to play because we've both got the sequel. We do. In our libraries. So we'll have to play at some point. We'll have to play the sequel. We'll have to try and get through the sequel. They're probably going to make this even harder. <laughs> I have a feeling. Where's the first one? It was like one person was in the library, one person was exploring. I think the sequel, it swapped back and forth. I will be honest. I was happy that you were the one giving the instructions because there were some sections that I would have been like, this is just going to do my sweet in. Um, the maze? Yeah. I don't think I'd have been able to guide you through that, to be honest with you. But I've said that, because you didn't see the map, if you saw the map pass, it would have made sense to you. Oh, sure, sure. Because um, I could see that, I could see that it's basically a bit where there's a map and you have to move, switch in a certain order to navigate through, and I could, I officially, I very quickly, um, be fun about Ah, Annie says, yes, it'd be one to fun to watch that. So yes, Annie, Monday at six o'clock GMT, it'll be coming out on the channel and you can watch through it. It's only about an hour and quarter long, I think, for the whole for the whole game. Which is pretty solid, but considering yeah, you said it was about three hours. Yeah, I thought it was about three hours. Perhaps, Perhaps wonder, other people really suck. I wonder if they take this account of after you do it, you swap in roles. Yeah, but then... But I don't see how it would work, because no, once you done swap it. roles... Yeah, once you swap it's it's very much one of those games that once you've played through it once... You've pretty much done it because you can't really go. Because I've done it before where I've like played puzzle games with somebody, then I've gone and played with somebody else. I've lost the charm and, and the fun. And I know what to do, but I don't want to spoil it for by telling them what to do. Mm. So it's like, I'm going to let you figure this out. Ask me questions. I won't give you the exact answer unless you get so stuck and I'll just tell you what to do. Yeah. So I've played. It's, it's hard. Puzzle games are really. I do find puzzle games tend to be a one shot type. Yeah. This is some ra- unless it's something like completely randomised to be a watcher, but it was very really neat. It's very for something that's com- and it's completely free. This game, mm. there's no place you can literally download right now on Steam for free. So if you've got a mate, you fancy it, it's a nice little experience. Funny, it's a nice little evening experience. That was fun. Then the following week, week just gone, mm. we played a game called Hunt Showdown. 
which I picked up and I wanted to play with somebody else. I gave Walker Skaz a copy. You unfortunate soul. I think we did all right. You got the first kill out of the two of us. Well, I'm going to be honest. My aim is atrocious these days. Well, I don't know. We do. I think towards the end we got better. Mm. I think we'd have done a lot better if I hadn't have freaked. There were a couple of times where, honestly, I could have probably taken out the other team without too much of a problem. But because I was so... It was almost like I was shocked. And so my aim just fell apart. Because obviously... So Hunt Showdown is like... Um, uh, like a battle royale game with PVE where uh, a hunter solo or team of can go and find random bounties and other players will have to find those same bounties. Um, and if you... You can go find certain clues which will point you towards said bounty. Um, or you could literally, once someone finds their bounty, it lights up on, on the map, and you can then go and either wait for yeah. the other person to kill it, or um, you can all just kind of bum rush it. And I don't think there's going to be very much teamwork in that game outside of groups. Because like, I know there are some yeah. some games where you often see like teams working together to, to kill an objective. Um, and then go for tokens because I, f I think the teams are literally two to three people. Mm -hmm. You can play it solo, but I think it'd be really hard to play yeah, solo. Sure. Yeah, so basically, it's, it's like the game's like several stages. So it's set all like I would, I would say the Wild West. Yeah. So it's all like sort of what so I'd say what late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds yeah. sort of time era. Uh, but it's set like a sort of horror version, like sort of Call of Cthulhu type sort of horror version of the Wild West where. All these freakish like zombies. You're having like a voodoo swampland kind of thing. Yeah, a bayou type yeah. place. And uh, yeah, so several stages. So there is a quarry, and there's only like maybe one, maybe two of these monsters in the entire in the level. Mm. And it's a big sort of open area level. So your first stage is find clues to identify the quarry, and as you say, you find the clues, and what they do is they work by covering up parts of the map. Yeah. Areas so the map where it is. Yeah, so it doesn't show you where it is, it shows you where it isn't. Yeah. And that's how, and you find three clues. And sometimes you will just stumble across it straight away. So I think the first one we encountered, the last, the mission which we did quite well in, mm -hmm. we still lost, but we did quite well. We basically stumbled on it on the first clue. We just walked straight into the creature. Yeah. But yeah, as you say, then once you kill it, you have, once you find it, you don't have to kill it. Once you've killed it, you have to banish it, mm -hmm. which takes about a couple of minutes. Yeah. And once it's banished, then drops the bounties, which you can then pick up, and then you have to get those to the extraction points, and then you have to wait 30 seconds, then get extracted, and then you've won. Yes, and it should be noted that you can't leave the game if the extraction point is contested by another player of an enemy team. Yeah. Um, I'm not entirely sure if the bounties... So, when we played as a squad... Uh... When we took out the thing on our last match, where so I unfortunately got killed, you can res your teammates if they get dropped. Um, but we took out the, the quarry, we banished it, picked up the token, and as we picked up our token for the extraction point, you got one, I got one, I got blown up, and I said, dude, just leg it. Like, we'll, 
you know, we might be able to get out of this that way. Like, if you survive, in I was hoping that perhaps my character would still survive. For the first ten levels, permadeath doesn't count. But I was hoping that, like, say, if we were level 11 and you escaped, maybe I'd somehow escape death. Um, I don't think you do sure. in this one. But, um... Which something you should point out is, there is this... You, you have, like, a rank, which is you... This is clear. Then you have hunters, which you see you play as, yeah. and it's permanent. Once they die, that's it, they're gone. Yeah. And they lose all their equipment they have. Yeah. So there's a bit of risk of war See, because what I was wondering was, because, as I said, when we were playing as a, as a pair, as a team, uh, we both picked up a token from the bounty. Now, one thing we didn't try in previous games was to try and pick up a token from an already slain monster. Does it only spawn, like, let's say, for example, two people kill it. Does it only drop two tokens? Or is, for anyone who goes to that monster, because surely you're going to need a token to leave. You don't have to kill a monster to, to leave the game. To leave the game. No, you don't need, you, for what I'm saying, you don't need a token to leave. So leaving is one way. If your hunter, say your hunter is quite high, high level, mm. high tier. If say you think there's no chance I'm going to get these monsters, you can leave sure. and keep your hunter. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're going to probably get killed at some okay, point. Okay, sure. So you have the option to leg it. Basically, okay. the game doesn't. I don't think the game ends until either everybody's dead or everybody's extracted. Sure. Okay. But we've never survived that long to find out. Sure. Because I wasn't sure um, if you know it would. It just. Anyone yeah. that got to the you, quarry could take a token and then leg it. But you can pick up other people's bounties because that's, I think, it's the first level where we first. Because we thought we played the training mission. Yeah, because I skipped I, the training. Yeah, I was playing and I went onto the training tab at the top and it said, oh, and I went to select train, training tab and I clicked ready and I thought, and then you can, and it seemed to be joyous. I thought, oh, we can play a training mission together. That's good. Mm. I don't think that was a training mission because there are other players in there as well as us. Because yep. we went to the area where the monster was. We got to, um, we got took out. Mm. But you revived me. We don't, You managed to kill the guy who took me out and you revived me. We went up there and the bounty was there on the ground for us to pick up. Oh, sure. But at which point I got wrecked by the guy. The other person, obviously, I thought was clear. But the other person was waiting for mm. us. And he wrecked, he wrecked me, and then he wrecked you yeah. as well. I mean, I didn't even see uh, him coming. Um, no. And it's it's interesting as well, because the each character starts with limited ammo. So you can pick up more ammo as you go through the stage. Um, but it also doesn't have an automatic reload on it. So most games, when you empty a click, you don't... Like, empty yeah. a clip, sorry, you don't suffer with Dead Man's Click. The game would yeah. like click, it'll be empty, and then you'll automatically reload. In this game, and if you switch back to the weapon, it does it as yeah. well. Whereas in that's not always the case. Like COD games don't usually do the auto reload kind of thing, but um, in this one, you can literally just keep on clicking an empty shotgun. If you if yeah. you don't manually reload, you are stuffed. And when you're caught in a firefight, that really threw me off. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. It's really. It's. I think it's a really neat little game. Mm. I really. I the session we played. I really enjoyed. It's definitely a hard. It's quite. It's. It's unforgiving. Mm -hmm. It is pretty much. If you get someone in the head, you've pretty much killed yep. them. 
Um, at one point, I got shot by a guy with shotgun. And I must have been just far enough away, but I had a sliver of health. There's a tiny sliver of health left. Mm-hmm. I didn't quite make it away to before I got shot again. But I appreciate if you get shot in the head, you've had it. Yeah. I don't think there's much chance of surviving. It's a, it's a very... There's not a lot of chance of surviving this game. No. I mean, it's, um, it's got it is... bleed mechanics. There's environmental damage. Um... One thing I Bees. will say that annoys me. Uh, so there are zombies on the map. So there are like loads of trash mobs, which you can take out with your gun or whatever. The idea being that if you shoot them, you're alerting other players to your presence as well as other, you know, low-key trash monsters on the, on the map. Um, and there's also kind of... There are birds that you can spook that will fly away and alert other players... And there's fucking glass and stuff, like, absolutely yeah. everywhere. The Tin cans, squeaky woods. The environmental stuff that is there to try and kind of catch you up to alert other players is so annoying because it is literally, absolutely everywhere. You yeah. will literally spawn on top of zombies, glass, and birds. And to be fair, the times we spawned near the zombies birds, we weren't spawned close enough to immediately alert them. We could back off. And the zombies I towards the end had got the hay and used the knife to take him out. Mm. And it's actually really easy to take him out of the knife. For sure, I imagine Watch. that, but there are also so, like the, the specialist kind of zombies with the, the fucking yeah. wasp hives and that. You ain't knifing those fuckers. No. Um, I think the general idea is you have to play and be a little bit cautious when you play it. Mm-hmm. It's not about just running around team team based shooter like you it know isn't. Where, running and gun. It's about you've got to be a little bit clever, a bit cautious. And when we got the when we got other players was when we actually stopped and said, Let's ambush him, think about it and so forth. That's we and and the most dangerous part is if like there's a building we could hear someone in it, we knew someone in it, mm-hmm. and we're very closely way way round, just hoping to get the drop on yeah. them. But even when you're crouching, you're not silent. No. You still make noise. So they could hear you. You could just hear moving about. And you're playing this all like almost cat and mouse game, trying to sort of um, find them and take them out. Mm-hmm. So I I must say, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely want to play it again. Um, it's definitely, although it's definitely a game you want at least one other person to play it with. I just don't see how a single person could be competitive in it, honestly. Because it's so unforgiving. Um, but I won't... Too, I mean, two versus three, probably doable. Yeah. But one versus two or one versus three, unless they get lucky and get the drop of the first person, probably not going to happen. Yeah. I just, like I said, I just thought that in some cases, like, the birds were just there. You know, you'll walk through yeah. some tall grass, and all of a sudden, right in front of you, without warning, there's an entire murder of crows. And it's like... Yeah, uh, I think though part that sort of actually that pills to me a little bit. That sort of like sort of sometimes shit happens sometimes. But it happened too much. And as, for as, me, it happened too much. Like there were birds. You, you were running around quite a bit. <laughs> In fairness, though, Ram, we weren't. I mean, like how many times you're going to see three or four flocks of birds within a few feet of each other? Yeah. And then there's gl- like there was glass birds. You know, and other stuff that would make ridiculous amounts of noise within literally 
I don't know, a few square feet. I mean, there was enough shit to make noise. Yeah. It made my... Like, if, if it was my living space, there'd be glass <laughs> all around me and I would be smothered in birds. I think they... They want you to not... They don't want to make it too easy to be stealthy, do they? Mm. Because if they make it too easy, it'd be too. They wanted to. They wanted to give everybody a bit of a fighting chance. So you want to make it too easy to be stealthy. Mm. You could probably be quite quiet if you stay quite still. But as soon as you start moving, then it's not easy to be stealthy. Also, I think how much of that is just simply we only played for one hour and a half. Yeah, thereabouts. How much? How much of that is just inexperience? Because we got better. We there's a noticeable difference between our first game to our last game. We got a lot better. Yeah. Our last game was the one that we oh we I we were so close to actually well I was so close to actually getting out of it mm. as in effectively winning a level, mm. and that's quite an improvement from. I mean, it's sort of game where you can play it, you'll be dead within thirty seconds because you you are lucky. You happen to round up. We that happened to us. We both went obviously no group players with the same clue, and we got basically pinned down. In a building, and we got both got two, and we we managed to solve. Like, basically, we were stuck. Yeah. Um, and again, I think that's just experience. As we play more, we'll get better at mm-hmm. it. If we play more, sure. But I definitely like to play some more. Of that. My, I think my problem with the whole noise mechanic though was more that like there were times when we moved, and you would see the birds like their wings would fucking like stretch out as if they're about to take off and make a shite ton of noise. They would even start to levitate off the floor, and then as soon as I hit the crouch button, they instantly reset. <laughs> They're kind birds. And it's like... And in some cases, it almost looked as well like there was texture pop. Because at one point, I looked, and there was nothing there. And then all of a sudden, I we f- went through grass, and bam, there were birds right in my face. That's a, I think that's a cry engine because it's Crytek in Rage. It'd be a probably be a cry engine game, and mm-hmm. um, I think that's a cry engine issue that tends to texture pop a little I bit. I will say that game looked atrocious for a for a Crytek game. They, I've obviously, I think they've definitely, they've definitely made it so that it will run on because you initially were playing on the low quality settings. But I couldn't see much of a difference between low and high. The I think what they've done was awful. Yeah, they're not the greatest. I think that they what they've done is um on the lower Saints, I think what they've done is they because trouble is in pretty in other like shooter type games, what things tend to happen on low settings, they tend to switch off all like the ground cover and that's all it tends to get switched off. Yeah. Which then obviously if you're playing on really good crevices, you think you're hiding in some tall grass, your person you're fighting against, it doesn't have that switch on, they can just see No, because my, my life actually used is... to do that in um, Ghost Recon. At Battlefield as so well. So we set the environmental details down to low, set the character texture models up to high, and characters would just stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah. I think to avoid that, they've made it so that even the low res version still has all it all, mm. but it's like really low texture version of it, so you can't get away doing that. Mm. So I think all they do is in, 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 increasing textures, basically. Also, I think in multiplayer games, mm. graphics, they don't want to push graphics, so you're dealing, you are dealing with internet connections. Yeah. And you want to synchronize, so actually, super-duper graphics 
you don't want that too much because if you do it too much, you're going to get issues, more issues with ping and synchronization. The trouble is, though, for me, it. I mean, for a modern PC game, it looked like a PlayStation 3 game. Or worse, in some cases. I mean, the character yeah. models at times looked like they came from fucking Oblivion. Mm. Uh, I, felt, I felt it looked okay for what it was doing. I felt, I, it sold the atmosphere to the, me. No, the world atmosphere was fantastic. With the exception of my gripes yeah. of random birds being spattered everywhere. or yeah. glass. Now, I loved the world that we were put into... I just thought it didn't look as good as it probably could have done. No, it probably could look a lot better. And I, I suspect that's more of a... I suspect the decision to not make it look that good is probably slightly deliberate. But it didn't play that for well either. For, for something that didn't look... But no, I didn't think it played very smoothly at all. See, I had no more problems at my end. I'm very sensitive to um, janky frame rate. And that did not feel smooth at all. Really, I must—I can't say I noticed any issues. If I'm honest, mm. but if you're sensitive to it, then you might be able to see something I can't. But I can't say I noticed any issues. Sure. But yeah, I—I—I I, I personally quite enjoyed it. I mean, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it. Just I didn't think it looked quite up to snuff, especially that Would you screen to... tearing was atrocious too. That was quite bad. Yeah, I will give you that. The anti-aliasing screen tearing was pretty bad. Mm. Um, I noticed that quite a lot. Uh, it was I will give you that. That was there quite from right from dot one yeah. from the moment we launched the game. I mean, for me to have screen tearing is pretty bad. No, yeah, because you're right. That was quite because uh, I'm running on like a hundred and sixty some odd hertz monitor. So the yeah. the fact that I was getting really and it's a free sync monitor. So the fact that I was getting such bad tearing was oh, not great. Yeah, no, yeah. I can't disagree. That was quite bad. But really, so would you really, be able to play, really, really fun. So would you be able to play it again? You're damn right. I just don't want to lose my character. I got proper attached to my character, which is really weird because normally permadeath is something that I'm really up for. Um, but yeah. I almost started to... And I know the characters are just randomly generated, randomly assigned you know, character models with names. Uh, sometimes they're really janky. Um, but I was like, I actually started to kind of like think that these were adventures that this character had gone on. Um, yeah. And I was starting to tie my time in the game to that NPC. <laughs> Not going to be great we'll get to rank 10, is it? Yeah, well, that's it. Although that's... apparently we can roll extra characters. Yeah, she can have to four, I think, at a time. So... And you can retire characters as well. Oh, right. So you can like basically retire them, and which is apparently they say you should do it. Well, if you get up to like sort of rank uh, tier ranks sort of, what's he say about tier? I think it's like twenty or thirty tiers. Mm. If you get up to like, sort of, like that sort of level, you should retire them at that point mm. uh, because that 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 stage you you get a load of stuff from retiring. See, them. the interesting thing is, I noticed that your character was like rank three by the end of it, and mine was still rank one. I think there's tiers and there's ranks, aren't there? Um, I'm not sure. I have to check that again. I, was, I, I noticed my rank was going up, mm. but then the characters have tiers as mm. well, which I think represents how... I'm not totally sure how the levelling mechanic works. I think the rank system is permanent. Mm-hmm. It's the characters that... like they get The characters get more experience, but then when they die, you lose it mm-hmm. all. So it's an interesting system. I think well, perhaps if we do flexible, we'll get a bit, we'll learn a bit more about it. Yeah. But I do. I will say for the first ten ranks, 
you're, you don't have to power the switched mm. on. So the first, the first few games you're going to play, you're not going to worry about your character losing your character because mm-hmm. for the first time they survive. Uh, but after rank ten, that's when permanent gets switched now, on. Now I will be honest, I do fear the rank up character mechanic because there are other games that feature player tier systems. Uh, some stuff that I've played in the past, like Max Payne 3. And when you level up as a player, you get perks like you do in Hunt Showdown. And some of them can be really unfair and really overpowered. And it worries me that there's going to come some point where, I don't know, you're going to hire experienced players are just going to grief the fuck out of new players. I think that the upgrades, looking at it, looked character-specific, though. Because mm-hmm. you went into the character, and then you could go into the upgrades. Mm-hmm. So I think the upgrades are character-specific. No, and I understand that, but I'm still saying that it isn't fair that if I start at level 1, I go up against, say, a level 30 character that can absorb bullets like a sponge because they don't have... Like, they won't take bleed damage. Or um, melee damage doesn't apply to them. Or, you know, something like that. I think the matchmaking is quite good because it's good, but in tiers of characters at least. Because every person who killed me was the same tier character as me. That's funny enough, because I was going to say some of the people we were fighting were like level 20 at listed. I think, though, it's the rank versus the character tier. I think the character tier tells you what equipment they have. Mm. I don't... I, I mean, like the first, the first how two guys works. we fought weren't our level. No. I think the... I, I, I'm going to have to look into more to see how it works with the characters and tiering. Mm. I think, though, it is very specific to the character's level. I think the only thing you might get... I think the only thing you might be able to do is you might be able to, um, as you get better up, you might be able to like, buy better weapons, mm. and then you could potentially equip a lower level, a lower tier character with better weapons. Yeah. I'm now wishing actually because there's two. I didn't pay much attention at the start. You when you pick your first hunter. I put the hunter with a shotgun. There's actually now a hunter there with a rifle. All right. And I think I wish I picked the hunter with a rifle because the sh- we had basically very little long range options. Mm-hmm. Um, now, did you pick the same ones. character as me? Because we seem to have the same loadout. I think the loadouts are the same, but the characters are different. Okay. The characters are already generated. There's like two different loadouts, which are the same. Okay. So I think we're the same because I looked at because also if we look at the two streams today, mm-hmm. I looked at your loadout. And they were the same as my loadouts, but the character name was different and the characters looked like different. So I suspect what it's doing is like randomly generating a character and a random name. Mm-hmm. But then the, layout, the equipment layouts are probably sourced out. Particularly for your initial hunter, they're probably standardised sure. to make it... Because they want the old random number generation. If that was completely randomised to start your character's equipment... Well, no, but I mean, shitty. like... Because I assumed that you had picked the class that was the more stealthy one. But you're rocking around with a shotgun too. I wasn't paying enough attention at the start. Right. I should put the I should put the person with the rifle. That's what I thought you did. So that's why I no, picked I, the guy with the shotty so that 
No, I wasn't paying enough attention at the okay, start. Okay, so that explains why our loadouts were the same. I, I, um, I basically, since it's because I doubt installed it, we talked about doing it, then I literally, you said about, oh, I've installed it. I thought, I actually installed it. So I quickly downloaded and installed it, and then I thought, I'm just, why, because you then said you are going to disappear for like half an hour. I said, well, I thought, well, I'm just, I'm just quickly going to this and just do a training mission. Yeah. Just to get, like, at least get the bearings. So at least one of us had our bearings about it. Um, and I basically probably rushed through it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So because when you when you yeah. said it to me, you was like, "Oh yeah, I've picked the stealthy character." I was like, "Well, that's fair." Then I'll pick the you know the all guns blazing. I feel I just said we'll pick the character. You've got to play a bit stealthy. Like I said I played the stealthy character. Mm. No, but you said that you'd picked a specific loadout because you'd heard it in another podcast, and so I assumed that you'd picked the one that was better suited for being shh and range. Don't... I don't. I remember. I don't remember the conversation, but I watched the conversation just today on the um, recording. But that's not how I remember it going. No, you implied I'll that you were. Through. You implied that of the two classes, you'd picked the different one to what I. Had. If I implied it, it wasn't intentional. Sure. If I implied it, I, I've heard my son. You've got to be a little bit quiet about this. But I, if I no, I, and, I understand when you when we started. I, it, self, self, I don't think I, if I apply a stealthy character. Sure. I didn't mean to imply that. That's not what I was... Yeah. In my head, I didn't think I'd done no, that. You, you, I so. mean, you did say after character creation that we had to be quiet. It's like, yeah, but this is a, a Battle Royale game. Of course we do. Uh, yeah. A Battle Royale game with permadeath. I'm not going to be able to run around and expect to survive. That I mean, you can't even do that in COD. So... No. Um, but no. it was fun. Like I said, I, I am just a bit... I am a tad worried about the perks. Um... We'll see how, once we play a bit more, perhaps we'll see more how it works. I would very much like I, to see them open up a mode where there is no permadeath and there are no perks. There is a mode like that. Oh. Um, it's called. Now you're thinking, I can't remember. There is, in the, there is a mode. Uh, it's a solo mode. Okay. But I don't. You Basically, you play it, but your character won't die at the end of it. However. You don't unlock anything. Sure. So, but it's basically the idea is as a practice mode. Yeah, I, I wish or there was that, versus... but the the whole game. You know, I'd like to have the option of permadeath and like a ranked and a casual mode, as it were. Yeah, I think that's that. I can't always call, but there is a mode like that where it's like, I think that they they've got a very they had a very set eyes vision of what they wanted the game to mm. be. And that's what it is, and then they put these other bits in just to like give you the option. If you want to play a bit of game, boost, but not worry about your character going, you can. But if you want to play the proper game, mm-hmm. you're going to have to do this main. I mode. think I probably I would rather play the kind of solo casual mode, to be honest, because, like I said to you, it just winds me up a little bit. Um, plus, I also see yeah. the the you know there's a, a a big chance of of griefers in that game because of. But no, like if they, if you said to me like, we can start and we all start level one and everyone else has got all the same tier characters and the same access to the same gear, and there is no permadeath because every time we start this match or mode we reset to level one. I would love that. That'd be fantastic, and I play that all day every day. Um, you know, yeah. without question. You know, just I'm not too interested in the the ranking system or anything like that. We'll see how it play. If we play some more, we'll hopefully see how it works out. Perhaps once we understand how it works out more, sure. Sure. it'll make some more sense. Um, Annie has asked asked me, actually, um, 
how my how's my hotel set working out? Um, I have discussed the program. Well, we haven't discussed it this program. Uh, it's working out absolutely lovely. Um, I still I haven't got well, I haven't purchased. I'm, I'm going to get my whole stuff copy of Mech Warrior Five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to play with it, but I've been doing a little bit more of DCS, uh, a little bit of Eve as well, and I'm really enjoying it. Um, yeah, I'm, it's a purchase of really pleased I made. Um, it's been great fun. It does. I tell you one thing that is a bit of an issue with it when you first get it. It's a bit like so many controls. What do I game to do? Okay. And sort of learning the setup of how you get what you know, learning how you're going to make them work, how what controls are going to do what, and so forth. It's been like so many controls. I'm not sure what to map them to. See, I had hoped, and this is one thing that I hate about PC gaming is. I, don't get me wrong, I love customizable controls, you know, being able to rebind keys and stuff, but I wish more games had default layouts for accessories. You know, so if I buy an X56 from Logitech, uh, you know, Elite Dangerous, please just have a pre-made layout that I can rejig for my own, you know. To be fair, Elite Dangerous does. Interesting. For this... It's just, it's not how I would have it, though. So, because the trouble is, everybody has their key configuration. The key configuration that I use is probably different to what you use, Mm -hmm. but it's the key configuration that I've learned. So, my my standard key config in an average shooter game is left mouse button is primary fire, Mm -hmm. the side button on the side is secondary fire, and right mouse button is jump. Uh, I usually have... C for crouch, space for melee or throw grenade or similar. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually have middle mouse banners use, mm-hmm. um, and these are not usually the default set. They this, they usually jump is mapped to space mm-hmm. in most games. I've noticed so I have to remap it. Um, that is the setup that I've used for. I've I've I think I I can't which game was I played that had that sort of setup. Mm-hmm. And I've just used it and built on it, and it's what I just use in every single game. Mm-hmm. So, same with joysticks. What how they how I would have a joystick laid out is the game, which well, it's not way that's always default. So, yeah, default peripherals are great. Layouts are fine, but the people who do them have to guess how you're going to use it. No, but I mean, what and I'm saying is, weird like, like it's me, not like we're playing in a you know they've already made their ships. They, like an elite dangerous, they've made their ships. Yeah. They know how they're going to fly. So, surely, if they've put the time in to design the cockpit, they can give me a layout that matches my stick. You know, it would be like saying we're going to play a flight sim and you've got landing gear mapped to, I don't know, something that I'd have, say, start the engines mapped to. It just seems really dumb to me. It's just, like, I can't go into a jumbo jet and say, hang on a minute, I don't like the fact that the engine starter is here. No. You know, where the fuel lines connect, like, where the fuel no. line switch is at. That's no. just dumb. Like, you have to learn no. the layout. Um, yeah. I can understand in a shooter, like, oh, I want to change... You know, I want to change my jump button or I want to change my melee button. But this isn't a shooter. This is a flying simulator. And we have a stick with buttons designed in a rough layout that should feel comfortable to fly a plane or a spaceship. At the same time, though, is muscle memory is a bitch. 
But you haven't and, got any muscle memory for it. Though. And the other thing I was going to say was, to use your example of jets, pilots tend to, most pilots tend to fly the same plane. The pilot who plays 77 is always going to play for 77. He may change at some point, but then he'll be flying that plane. They don't tend to hop in out of a dozen different planes. So then they have got to relearn and so forth. So they will pick it up. But obviously, in a simulator, you're not going to play the same plane every single time. So I want to have a layout that... This, obviously, the stick I've got is based on the A-10 Warthog. That's what it's based on. So similar to an A-10 Warthog, it all map correctly, because that's what it is. Most planes aren't use the same layout. They want the same with the controls. So no, but I understand I that. But what things. I'm saying is... Why isn't there a pre-assigned switch for landing gear? You know, there. I can't say about my hotel experience, but there is. There so is. That, a switch. But that's what I'm this... saying. Like, why would? Why is there not already a pre-made layout that says, right, in every jet you fly, if you want to access landing gear, that's the switch. There is. So, but that's what I'm saying. So, why would you worry about freaking out and having to change it all if it's already pre-assigned? Because it's not like you've planned it. It's not like you've flown the thing before. So, muscle memory switch, ain't a bitch. That's the switch I want to have as landing gear. Yeah, see, that just seems really dumb to me. If they've, I like, I like my control stay upset. If I sit thinking, I see where I've used to switch to landing gear. However, I think it'd be more convenient to have it this switch set to landing gear. I'm going to change it. I, 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 I always reconfigure all the controls in all my games because I have a how I want it to be and I will change. And if I feel like, okay, I can see why they've done it this way, but I don't like it. I mean, I've got the profiles for all the various planes that map this control stick as close as possible to the actual plane's cockpit. Mm-hmm. But I go through and go, no, I don't like that. I'm going to change it. So certain things I don't change, like... Um, the engine start button is actually I've got an engine start button on this mm-hmm. that I leave the same um, but certain things like yeah no I just or I might so I might find that when I'm playing I'll actually use this control more than I think I want this map to something that's more to hand mm-hmm. so that's just the, that's the beauty isn't it you can reconfigure it however you want that's just the beauty of it all but what I was getting at is that in a lot of cases games don't have pre-made mm. profiles so i don't want to have to start a game and say right well fuck um i want this to be this i want because when you mentioned you're suffering with button paralysis you made it sound that there like there were no layouts so that you would have to fully manually configure the stick and at that point right. i would say so. i would just take the stick and throw it in the bin because no, unlike it's... you yeah. i'm not the kind of guy that's going to spend six hours before I play a game, reconfiguring all my controls to be something that's comfortable. I, when I say both, well, I'm more like, okay, I want it laid out a certain way. That's it. it comes with the default layouts, but I do often find myself clearing it completely and starting from scratch mm-hmm. to how I want it to be. And mm-hmm. I'll, I, and I probably spend like ten minutes doing it, getting yeah. it how I want, and I'll tweak it. You know, once I play a game for a bit, I'll go. Actually, that seemed like a good idea, putting it on there. But as for that, it'd be more convenient if it was here. I'll tweak it and I'll change it. I'll keep tweaking it till I get to a layout which I'm happy with. Mm-hmm. So I just tweak it, adjust it. And I, I do tweak it. I mean, some games, 
the Causeway Windows talks to games. All games see it doesn't see a say it doesn't it's possible information, but generally it doesn't see a say it just sees joystick access axis you know X Y Z Z button one button zero and it's all it sees it just sees the button inputs. You've got to hope the people who build it make that logical. I've had joysticks in the past where the person who's this company's built it put say button one the trigger which makes sense first probably the first button. But other joysticks, that wasn't button one, that was by button two. Well, if the games don't know that, they see a button one, button but two. But then that's why I tend to purposely buy peripherals tailored to the game that I want to play. I don't go out and expect... Like, cause I know for a fact that you used to use like a 10-year-old joystick or a 15-year-old yes, joystick. Yes, my old site. So I don't, well, I don't expect that to have modern-day mappings. Or maybe, no. say, you know, even 10 years ago, I don't expect that to have had an auto-config. But these days I do, and I'm not like so. For example, like if I bought a game for an Xbox pad, I don't expect all of a sudden for it to now have I don't know shoot to be on the D pad left. No, um, you know that's a problem of twenty years that's, ago. That's not that's now. The, that's also partly the game designers have to make sure they follow a consistent layout as well to what is the the. I'm going to put my air quotes up. The standard mm-hmm. layouts. I think the standard layout, I mean, and that, that's something, and sound, don't forget, 20 years ago, the standards weren't necessarily a thing. Well, no, but this is what, uh, I'm, this is what I'm saying, though. I, yeah. I won't, like, you know, you're, you're using the argument that, you know, the stick buttons don't seem to match up in one game to another. So, yeah, but that's not a problem these days. And if, I, if I'm going to buy a piece of hardware to play a game... I will buy the piece of hardware, even if it costs me more. I will. I would prefer to buy the hardware that has pre-configured, a pre-configured button layout. Yeah. So, like for example, Euro Truck tends to recognise Logitech wheels. Yeah. And it will automatically map everything that you're going to need, for the most yeah. part, to that wheel because mm-hmm. they've they've tested it. But then I won't go out there and buy random generic a wheel that it doesn't recognise that I'm going to have to remap everything no. to. But uh, most modern games do. I'm just saying that I tend to reconfigure them mm-hmm. because I have a layout that I like. And I mean, Eurotruck. Eurotruck recognised my um, my. It's actually got specific. It actually mentions my steering wheel that I've got in it's in options. Mate, it mentions it by name. Mm-hmm. Plug it, it recognises it fine, it maps everything fine to it. I don't like the mapping it's got, so I change it. Mm-hmm. So, I feel what I say is most modern games do have these mapped. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that they're not mapped the way I like them, mm-hmm. so I change them. Actually, that's just personal preference at that point. That's just one of the beauties of of the fact you can reconfigure it. It's like, I can figure it to exactly how I want it to be. Mm-hmm. No, that's just what I was just saying. I wasn't arguing the fact that you're changing all the buttons or that it's stupid that you change all the buttons. It's just the idea that if it didn't have that layout and that you were saying, well, Skaz, these triggers don't always line up. It's like, well, they usually these days they do if you buy supported hardware. And if it doesn't, if you buy decent hardware, yes. If you buy decent decent hardware, yes, they will. Mm hmm. If you buy the cheap, shitty nine ninety nine joysticks, no, they won't. No, if you buy the minor decent stuff, they will. And the games tend to support it. Or 
the modernish games tend to support it. Maybe not so much, say, more smaller developing teams. I mean, I wouldn't expect an indie game to necessarily have properly configured support because there's lots of different joysticks out there mm-hmm. and they're not going to feel But when you've got a bigger developer who has got time they can spend it, I would expect that more of a big developer. Or if it's something that's like Pacific, say, DCS is a good example, it's a flight sim. I would expect the people who design that to spend the time configuring it properly. Or not say properly... Configure it, have a configuration there, even if it's not the configuration I would use. Say a flight simulator comes out. If that flight simulator came out with no configuration for this, it'd be stupid. Mm-hmm. It'd be absolutely stupid. But that's my point. Like, grab the top three yeah. selling sticks, come up with a config for it. Yep. Job done. I just brought up the point because yeah. if someone says to me, Scaz, mate, you're going to play Elite Dangerous and there's like fucking 60 buttons in front of you and now you have to remap all of them, I just said no. I won't even bother at that point. Yeah. I, I I would literally, to be, f- to honestly, be fair, not bother. You don't have to remap them. No, but I'm saying I if they to. weren't mapped, because oh, no, the way you mapped. first said it, there was no default configuration for the stick. Because when you said it, I got into my head the later argument you used of this button isn't correct. So like you said, well, you know, traditionally this trigger one or button one is the trigger. But in this, it might be button six. So I got it into my head that you're like, well, there isn't a mapping here no, and it's there all is fucking one, yeah. over the place. Because if that was the case, if you said to me, oh, well, for some reason now, like left is up. <laughs> and you yeah, know, the, bu- that? the button over here doesn't seem to do like it doesn't do anything yeah. at all I i'm not going to spend any time to remap it yeah. i would just turn th- the game off and unplug the control pad. To, to me it's second nature because in pretty much all games one of the first thing i do is remap the controls literally the first the first thing i do when i start a new game up is settings graphic settings key bindings and that's the first thing i do in every game i play change the control settings i hate games that have fixed control settings mm-hmm. Particularly if they put jump to the space bar, I hate it because that's just never been the jump button to me, and I let's see that's I always been the jump button to me. Yeah, but it's not to me, so that frustrates the hell out of me when it is mapped to that because it's just not. I'm, I particularly in a game that might have like if it's got. I hate games we've got fixed controls. Mm. So it's the first thing I do is change all the control remaps to what I want them to be. I mean, I'm thinking of some of the earlier PC games I played. Jump has always been space. I'm trying to remember what I fit. I'm trying to remember how I got onto this. I mean, I, trouble is, this is the key configuration I've been using now for all twenty odd years. Mm-hmm. So knowing where exactly it came from, I'd be honest, no, with you, I can't I, quite I, share. I understand that. I do understand it because, like, for I example, I don't like when, um, for example, so I've recently gone through the Call of Duty games. The melee button has changed place depending on the game. And that really stuffs me up. But every every other button, for the most part, is in the same place. But yeah. melee just seemed to go elsewhere. It wandered. So one minute it's V. Other times it was F. Um, you know, the crouch key, one minute it's C or it's control. Um, you know, I... I I think my configuration is some weird hybrid. I think I the first sort of proper games I played, mm. like um, games or first earliest PC games I played was Mech Warrior 2, mm-hmm. 
Rainbow Six and Quake Two. Mm-hmm. I think my layout some weird hybrid of all of those because mm-hmm. I think Rainbow Six didn't have a jump button mm-hmm. in it at all. So I I I can't say exactly where my configuration came from, but I have to change it because I get I just get yeah, must have made rooms me. Sure. So, Keith, it's just one of those things. Well, it's like it's Hunt just... Showdown. The first thing I did was map melee to my mouse. Um, see, melee is usually on the space bar for me. See, melee in Hunt Showdown was um, Call of du- it's Hunt Showdown's mappings, uh, Call of Duty. Mm. It's one of the Call of Duty game uh, layouts. So, melee is V. And I don't yeah, like... I don't like that. I don't like my melee key. I mean, in fairness, it shouldn't be a problem because it's directly above where I rest my thumb for jump. But it's it always throws me off because some games, melee is sl- like one key to the right of strafe. Um, so I've just only recently in my Call of Duty playthroughs have I started remapping the melee key. And that's the only key I remap. I my general rule of thumb is any key I might need, like instantly, has to be adjacent to WASD. Yeah. So V is slightly out of adjacent. I wouldn't use V. Mm-hmm. Spacebar is point six, but spacebar is a big key. Yeah. So it's easy to, easy to hit. Um, same with control and shift. They're big keys. So they're easy to hit. Yeah. So I tend to I tend to use them. Oh, I can tell you one recent update to my key configuration. Before I used to have an extra buzz on my mouse, I um, used to have aim on control. Oh, really? Yeah, I used to have aim on control. I switched. Now I've got an extra button on my mouse. I switched the aim key to the other button on the mouse. See, so aim traditionally in pretty much every shooter I've played, um, look down sights is usually right click. Yeah, no, I, I've sort of right-clicked my um, jump button. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So, it's, it's yeah, I mean, it's, we all have these little foibles, and it's one of the beauties of the games, you can just reconfigure them. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> so, no, I agree. I mean, that's one thing that I do somewhat like about PC, because I have played some games where controls are just atrocious. Like, you feel like some the person who designed the, the control layout just mashed their head into the keyboard. Yeah. Um... But, like I say, if a game doesn't come with a control layout for a, you know, like one of the top three selling peripherals, I just bend the game. Yeah. I, don't, like, I, I don't, really just don't like spending my time in a menu going, I want this uh, button to be this, this yeah. button to be that. Because then if I go to, like, if I reinstall stuff on my PC, which I do, or if I go to someone else's place and I'm on their PC... I ain't sitting there for, you know, 10 minutes to half an hour getting the goddamn control layout exactly how I like it. I mean... I Yeah, I think any... I think most modern games that support some sort of peripheral do support, mm-hmm. do have default frames. I know a few exceptions, uh, as a rule. Firing in simulator is terrible. doesn't mm-hmm. support really anything. You have to pretty much configure that from scratch. Sure. Uh, which I've always had a whinge about because it's in my mind stupid. It doesn't support a joystick. Is a very common equipment. It's very, you find a lot of farming equipment joysticks, mm-hmm. um, but they don't. It's not really set by default. But to be fair, most games there as if small. It's also a game by as long as a game by default recognizes if it's a game which like sells some sort of grade of flight. Lots of recognizes the access keys, yeah. a throttle key, you know, an access on the joystick, throttle on the joysticks, and like the main trigger buttons. 
If the uprising can be configured, I'm not too worried. Sure. Because it's got the main bits there. You can play with those main bits. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people... Most, I think most people, a lot of people play games with cheap joysticks which haven't got that many buns, so I'm not too fussed. It doesn't happen more. But, but it all, all, say, all the more, shall I say, bigger games and games that are like focused on this tend to have it all properly mapped out. So DCS... Sure. Um, X-Plane, Flights of Michelle Will, I think. Sure. On the end of that debate, shall we call an end? Yes, it's all good. Anything else you want to add in? Nope, that's pretty much everything. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you cleared up that Elite Dangerous has default mappings. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, honestly, does, dude, yeah. that's one thing that I've looked into. And every time I look up Elite Dangerous, say, X-56 mappings, you always see, like, you know, a JPEG on Google search or whatever with like millions of different buttons and all these different layouts and yeah. that and I'm like all I want to know is does the game come with a layout pre- yeah. like pre-configured for the for the thing because yeah. there's like a metric ass ton of buttons on these sticks these days I, and I don't want to sit there going I want this one to be my landing gear and I want this one to do that I understand tailoring it but literally having to suffer through about six years yeah. of button paralysis to figure out where I, I want things to go by default is... I can't answer for the X-56. I know it's got the Hotas. The Warthog is on there. Sure. I can't answer about the X-56. So certainly if that's default, I would be surprised if it didn't. Sure. Because it's, again, it's very common in of joysticks. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, I do not like my flats being mapped to button six because button six is my choice. Just need the landing gear. And there you go. Smiley face. There you go. Fantastic. Right. So, I've been very, very much sure watching. I've been the Suffolk Crown. Scazius. And, hey, come come join us on Twitch on... I don't know, be on our personal Twitches mm-hmm. on Tuesday, around about 7 o'clock-ish. Ish. Ish. Ish-ish-ish. And we'll be playing something else. I haven't decided what we'll be playing, whether we'll be more hunt or whether we'll pick try something else. Mm-hmm. I think Scaz should get a choice this time. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> Although Sea of Thieves is now on Steam. It is. I'm going to wait point till next end of the month when I get paid again to buy Sea of Thieves, but I will get it. Sure. That's good. Then we can have a Sea of Thieves theme stream. Fantastic. Oh, look, Sea of Thieves theme stream. Yay. There you go. So, yeah. So, cheers, everybody. Um, see you in a fortnight on the uh, 30th, 20th of June. Fantastic. So, fail watching, guys. Have a good one. Bye.